Well, I'm glad to be here. We got to be here last year with a tour group, and uh, Dr. Jenkins, of course, was here, and uh, Brother Daryl Cox, and of course, I always enjoy hearing those men. I got to spend time with them the next day. Uh, last year, we went to um, Lizzie Borden's house. That's where we went. <laughs> uh, we went to Fanny Crosby's house. I said, that's the girl. I always got to be sacrilegious. I said to Tom Williams here, he just wept in the street. I said, Fanny Crosby, she's the girl that took an axe and killed her mom and dad. <laughs> I, knew, I knew better, of course. And, uh, and That wasn't me. Uh, enjoyed spending time with the Vastics as always. And um, Joey's going to college this year, right? Boy, he's, uh, he's, he's a card. I didn't realize that until last year. And Zach, good to see you, former Mr. Uh, Highlander. And uh, he couldn't retain his title, though. Now an old married... How long have you guys been married now? Four months. And they said it would never last. And look at that. <laughs> look at them here. Of course, notice where they are. They're already in the back row. And so they're, they're fading quickly. And that's only because he has to. He's quite obliged. And so, anyway, good to see so many different friends. Uh, Brother Mrs. Collins and Brother Collins, he just... Talk about a multitasker. He does everything at the college. If you didn't have an Anthony Collins, you'd need several men to fill his roles and uh, and of course I got to travel with these guys for a week about three or four weeks ago and they they really are Mrs. Collins concurred brother Collins concurred they are they are great guys they really are they're easy going and uh, you got to watch the tour groups they can become divas tour preachers can become divas <laughs> you know I know because I am one uh, <laughs> last year I stayed in two homes I said okay I'm done uh, 20 years I'm done and so uh, now I won't go below like uh, eight star hotels. And so anyway, you pray for me, Brother Bassett. Good to see you, sir. And so uh, I've been talking to Brian Mitchell, who founded Faith Baptist Church. He's been telling me some stories. <laughs> and uh, Brother Brian Mitchell was an upperclassman with the Brother Bassett came. And uh, something about jumping Joe Vasek. He jumped out of a bus. Uh, <laughs> jumped out of a bus while it was going 30 miles an hour, thinking it was on fire. And uh, stop. They said he'd still be rolling if they didn't say. And so crying like a little baby. And so anyway, they said, yeah, we used to kind of haze him a little bit because he was a freshman. It's like, you might want to pick on a smaller freshman. <laughs> that wasn't too bright. Acts chapter 1, go ahead and turn there. So we got Housinus in college. We have New England Baptist College. Of course, Grace Baptist did not send a tour group. They sent the man himself. And any other Bible colleges here? And, of course, I have no dog in the race anymore, even though I feel like I do. Um, but uh, I was thinking I wouldn't send my dog to Housinus in college because that would be kind of stupid if you think about it, <laughs> sending a dog to college. And so, but I appreciate our Bible colleges. I always compare them to different branches of the service. And there's going to be competition and a rivalry. And um, I'm using the pulpit mic. I know I have a cordless on. And so... Uh, but praise God for the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guards, etc. Each branch needs the other, and so we're all fighting for the great cause of Christ. Amen. Acts chapter 1. My wife purchased these nice glasses for me from the dollar store, and uh, I, was, uh, I was a step away from a German shepherd, so I decided to wear these to read. Acts chapter 1. Let's go ahead and stand. I'll give you one more opportunity to stand. In respect for the Word of God. And I'm just going to read, I'm going to read several verses. Uh, you're going to have to listen on purpose tonight. Don't you hate it when a preacher says that? I'm just kidding. I'll make it easy as possible. And, uh, but uh, we are going to use our Bibles a lot. 
Yeah, you say amen, Fred. I know you. Oh, come on. Don't you, can't you put them on a screen or something? Just tell us. You know, we'll listen. And so we're all there. Nobody gets excited. We're going to use our Bibles a lot tonight. It's Monday. We just used them yesterday. <laughs> and you're all spiritual giants. I'm a Bible college professor and now a pastor. And I'm still like, oh, please, just, just quote him. And so Brother Bishop's not like that. He's the real deal. And so Acts chapter 1, look at verse number 3. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And so Christ has been crucified, he's been placed in a borrowed tomb, and now that tomb is no longer needed because he is resurrected, he's alive, and going to spend the next forty days as a resurrected Savior. And thinking of Heritage Baptist, I, I actually preached this or taught it in Sunday school. I know there on a Sunday morning. And so, but I want to help you. This is a very practical message, and we almost give a disclaimer, almost an apology for practical messages. But practical truths of the Bible, if applied, will have a profound impact on your life and really could impact eternity. And so, uh, let's pray, and I'll let you be seated. Dear Lord, again, thank you for the great singing we've heard already. Thank you for the men who sang. And, uh, and thank you for preparing our hearts. And I absolutely concur with what Brother Vasek said as far as you being praised and worshipped and adored. And certainly, if we do that for the rest of our eternal lives, we'll not scratch the surface of how much you actually deserve it. But may we attempt to do just that. But it's preaching time. I do ask that you bless me as I preach and preface the preaching of Dr. Jenkins. And uh, may what happens tonight and this week and uh, exceed even the expectations of those who have put so much work into it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I do have one prayer request. Uh, Pastor Joe Vasek is uh, suffering from apathy. And uh, I don't care. I don't care. And so, anybody show up? I don't care. And so, uh, and again, I know he does, but boy, I, I tell you what, that's a, that's a tough man. And again, I think only Brother Bish in here can empathize with him. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It's upper echelon elite Christianity, and so to keep at it. And with the attrition rate being so high in the ministry and in churches with lay people, uh, to have an example like that is inspiring for sure. Christ was seen for 40 days as a resurrected Savior. And, of course, we can only imagine what it would have been like to see Christ. And I think especially during those 40 days, there were some that saw him every day for three years and still missed so much. Jesus told the disciples so many things in no uncertain terms. He said, fellas, he said, you know, uh, you've got to pick up your cross and follow me. I, I, they're gonna, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And they said, uh... Right over their head. He said, okay, Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days. And so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days. He's like, whatever. And they missed it. Went right over their head. They couldn't connect the dots. And, uh, and of course, the pattern was pretty obvious. And in retrospect, it was obvious to them. But they were oblivious to it before Christ was resurrected. And even the Pharisees said, listen, he kept talking about rebuilding the temple in three days. And so put a rock in front of the tomb and put soldiers in front of the rock in front of the tomb and be especially vigilant that third morning because something's going to happen. It's especially tragic when the world catches something that Christians don't. And they chide us. Like the Pharaoh with Abraham lying about Sarah. And then the Philistine king, Abimelech and Gera. And of course, same place with Isaac. And uh, you let me take your wife and uh, did not tell me and mention the fact that she was your wife. What were you thinking? 
I don't know. I knew she was pretty, and I didn't want you to hurt me because of her. It's like, are you kidding me? And, uh, and so what, what do you say? And the world is spot-on accurate, and they hold us to higher standards, by the way, because you're supposed to be this and that because you're saved. And they know that just stereotypically. And so be careful about that. It is especially sad when that is the case. But the disciples said, whatever, third day, whatever. I, I must have missed that. And uh, so uh, I'm just going to give you a literated outline very quickly to get to the practical yet potentially profound application. And, uh, but preachers have to alliterate, it's the law. And so uh, he was seen, being seen of them 40 days. I'm going to emphasize that word seen and different forms of that word. If you would, turn to Mark chapter 16. Bible trivia, who was the first person to see the resurrected Christ at the tomb? Mary Magdalene. And so Mary Magdalene was the first person to see him. Mark chapter 16. And let's begin reading in verse number 9. Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. Now notice at this point, none of them believed because they didn't see him. And doubting Thomas is going to get nailed, justifiably so. And, uh, but they all reacted the same way he did because they didn't see him. And so the first person to see, so number one, if, if I may, he was seen of the faithful, Mary Magdalene. She was the one who was faithful to the tomb that, fir- that third morning. And, uh, and what a privilege that was to see the resurrected Christ. So he was seen of the faithful. And let's continue to read. Turn to 1 Corinthians, if you would, chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And I preach fast anyway, and, but I will hasten and, uh, and so we can get to the main event and Dr. Jenkins. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And if you would, join me in verse number, oh, let's begin in verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye had received, and wherein ye stand, by which ye also are saved, if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, as prophesied, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and of course referencing the Old Testament there. And, uh, and so, the death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel of Christ. Look at verse 5. And, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. So, number one, I said he was seen of the faithful, Mary Magdalene. Now, if I may, he's seen of his friends, the disciples, and who are going to become apostles. There is a difference. You can be a disciple of Christ, you cannot be an apostle. To be an apostle, and you can define this, it's subjective, somewhat, uh, but you have to have personally seen the resurrected Christ and him chosen and commissioned you to do a, a, spe- a specific task, to spread the gospel. And so he was seen, the faithful of Mary Magdalene, now he's seen of his friends, the disciples. Of course, Thomas was not there. And, uh, and, and he would, he would, he would we'll pay tribute to that momentarily. Let's continue. This outlines itself. Verse number 6. After that, he was seen of above 500. Brethren, at once, of whom the greater part remain unto the present, but some are fallen asleep. So at the time of this letter being inspired by the Holy Spirit, and Paul writing it to the church at Corinth, many of those 500 people were still alive. It is really neat when you talk to someone who was at a, at a you know, of course, 
it's very well could lend itself. Law of averages, someone here could have been an eyewitness to 9-11 and the World Trade Centers and, of course, the pictures as you come up the stairs and, uh, and ground zero. Did anyone actually see, and uh, not the actual planes hitting perhaps, but you saw the smoke plumes coming out that day in lower Manhattan? And that's pretty neat. And, of course, Fred raises his hand. I don't believe a word he says. And uh, I'm kidding. Punch him back. And so, but anyway... Uh, no one can confirm or deny. I was there. And so, uh, but, and he looks like, he looks like he ought to be on the terrorist watch list. I'm just saying. I'm just kidding. And so, Fred's a good guy. And he's a great guy, actually. And so, anyway, uh, he was seen. He was seen to the faithful. Now he's seen to the friends. Now he's seen to 500 people. Imagine talking to someone and saying, you saw, you saw, when he appeared, you were a part of that 500? Yes, I was. Really? And what was it like? Well, it was awesome. <laughs> It was incredible, really. And what did he sound like? What did he look like? You know, the Hebrew Christians, the book of Hebrews is written to Hebrew Christians who just missed Christ. They're the second generation Christians. They did not see him. They did not hear him. They did not experience the miracles. It's all secondhand. And so they're not even suffering under blood, but they want to digress. No, 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 no. Progress. And so, but imagine talking to someone that saw him. And, of course, uh, what, a, what a, you know, Civil War veterans. We have film footage of Civil War veterans. The last veterans of the Civil War died in the 1950s. That's pretty amazing. Imagine talking to someone that fought at Gettysburg. And if he's that old, in his 80s, I was not alive in the 50s. And, uh, but if he's that old, he said, I, I talked to someone that fought during the Revolutionary War. And we're only three people away from the origin of our nation and as far as conversing. But imagine that. I've talked to World War II veterans that have been at Pearl Harbor and the Battle of the Bulge and places like that. And it's fascinating to try to pick their brain. And, of course, you appreciate their sacrifice, the loss of their friends and, and them willing to pay the ultimate price. But, but 500, many of those 500. By the way, one of the easiest facts to prove using the secular standards of history and measuring history is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you use the logical, secular standards of measuring history, one of the easiest things to prove is that we serve a risen Savior. I really do. Now, if you need that, that's somewhat an indictment, and, but it's a fact, and it's kind of neat, by many infallible proofs. 500 people don't have a simultaneous hallucination. So he was seen to the faithful, seen of his friends, now he's seen to the 500, let's go on. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Verse number 7, after that he was seen of James and of all the apostles. And so he's seen of his younger brother James, and if I may, you could probably include Jude here. They did not believe their older brother, half-brother, and uh, was the resurrected Christ. You know, there's a natural admiration for your father and for your older siblings, your older brothers, if you're a guy. I have two older brothers. And they used to give me therapy once a day, whether I needed it or not, swirlies and noogies, and it really helped my tolerance for pain and my threshold. And, and I'm just buying my time, by the way. As they get older, even as I speak, I'm going to visit them 20 years from now to nursing homes. So, yeah, remember what you told me? And remember the comforter parties and the pillows and all that? And yeah, yeah. You wouldn't be able to talk. If you couldn't breathe, you wouldn't be able to talk. He's not, he not talking. And uh, put a little kink in their oxygen wire. And so uh, I'm going to retaliate buying my time. Vengeance is mine. That's the part A of that verse. <laughs> and, uh, but listen, but I had older brothers. And my brothers, my brothers were tougher than your brothers. And my dad's better than your dad. That's just a natural admiration. You know, when I was in kindergarten, and I went to public schools my whole life. And, and of course, kindergarten wasn't so bad. And, uh, but, you know, show and tell. 
And, and in retrospect, it's, I realized exactly what God was doing in my life. I was a habitual liar during show and tell. I didn't realize that God was preparing me for the ministry. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> preachers don't lie. We embellish. <laughs> and uh, and I, I've said this before, but I think Bible characters did that. You know, the power of suggestion. David said, I kill a lion. I killed a bear, and I'll kill that stinking giant if you let me. You know, a lion, immediately you think of a lion with a humongous mane with blood dripping down, part of a wildebeest hanging out of his mouth in the Serengeti. You have no idea what that lion looked like. It could have looked like, <laughs> you know, and uh, you don't know. I killed a bear. You're thinking of a Kodiak brown bear in Alaska. It could have been a koala bear, you know. Well, I don't like the way you're looking at my sheep. <laughs> you know, and uh, a docile, placid, you know. And if you study your Greek and Aramaic and French Portuguese, uh, Goliath was three feet, three inches tall. And so, but listen, you know, Joseph, we, he said no to Potiphar's wife. The Bible doesn't even tell us what she looked like. We may give him way too much credit. And we're going to see her and say, oh, well, 600 pound toothless, you know, roller derby queen. You think you said no? <laughs> and so, Joseph, you know, but anyway, it's what we don't say. You know, those trip of a lifetime with Brother Hiles. I said, Brother Hiles took me to the place where he got born again. You just don't, you don't, you don't volunteer the information that there was about 150 other insignificant people and uh, part of a contest. But anyway, and so, man, I would lie. Whatever I brought in and the latest gadgets and bells and toys and whistles back then were iPads and iPhones. They were like slinkies, which worked really good on the commercial going down flights of stairs. And uh, yeah, you can buy a real one. It goes, Kadee! I think my dad, you know, and, uh, but I would bring it and say, excuse me, Mrs. Wood, my kindergarten teacher, my, my dad made that. Really, Christopher, your dad invented the slinky? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and if somebody out-toyed me, it's like, excuse me, my dad made that right there. And, uh, and so I would just lie, and somehow she let me, she let me get by, and she should have, I wish I would have got caught, it's too late now, I'm a preacher. And so, but, you know, he was, I, I forget why I said all that, and, uh, but he, uh, he was uh, seen to the faithful, Mary Magdalene, seen to the 500, and uh, seen to the friends before that, now he's seen of his family, James and Jude. Again, I love my older brother, but I, I, I think it's, well, I think it's totally blasphemous for him to claim to be the Messiah, the Christ. And they did not believe he was who he claimed to be until they saw him as a resurrected Savior. Because they saw him as a dead man who happened to be a God-man. You know, that's, uh, that's, and of course history tells us that James was uh, probably the first martyred Christian. A radical change between before and after seeing the resurrected Savior with their naked eyes. And so a significant radical, radical change. And so, he was seen of the faithful, Mary Magdalene, seen of his friends, the disciples, seen of the 500 eyewitnesses, seen of his family, and uh, James, and Jude. And so, let's continue. And last alliterated point right here, verse number 8, Paul, the inspired writer, and last of all, he was seen of me as one born out of due time. And I am, for I am the least of all the apostles, for I am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am... What I am, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, but not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. And powerful, powerful verses like they all are. But he was uh, seen of the faithful, then he was, uh, seen of the, uh, he was seen of the faithful, Mary Magdalene, then seen of his friends, the disciples, then seen of 500 people, and then he was seen of his family, James and Jude, who didn't believe until they saw him as a resurrected Savior, 
And now he's, last of all, seen of his foe, the Apostle Paul. Paul was an amazing man. He was distinguished and credentialed in so many, so many areas. He could, you pick a category, he could one-up you. Oh, you're Hebrew? I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And remember the time they marched him into jail as a prized prisoner? And they were, about to, they were getting rough with him. He said, is it lawful? By the way, I just, just a thought. Is it lawful for you to do that to a Roman citizen? They said, how's that? A Roman citizen. And they said, you know what, we're going to leave the back door. Uh, I got a parade in. I, I kind of want to parade out. And he could always one-up people. He knew the scribes and Pharisees' doctrine better than they did. Get him fussing and fighting as he slipped out the back. And, oh, you suffered, he said. Really? I speak as a fool. Let's talk about suffering. And went down his personal roll call. And uh, Hebrew the Hebrew. Oh, you're a Pharisee. I'm a Pharisee. The Pharisee. Who were you trained by? Really? This is who I was trained by, the ultimate of Pharisees. He could just one-up everybody in every imaginable category. Here's a brilliant man who could not have been more convinced he was right and could not have been more wrong. And he was on that road to Damascus. And he saw the resurrected Christ. And talk about a radical change. He went from being a vicious wolf attacking the flock of God to arguably God's most effective sheepdog. That's amazing. That changed life. That's the one thing that the world can't begin to explain, that, that amazing metamorphosis, that transformation, that changed life. And it's amazing. It's just, it's, it literally is amazing. And so seen of his foe, the Apostle Paul. Let's go to John, if you would, the book of John, chapter uh, 20. John chapter 20, we mentioned Thomas. Doubting Thomas, of course, is his nickname because, well, he boasted of the fact that he wouldn't believe, couldn't believe. Let's read John chapter 20. Let's begin in verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. That's why it's important to be there. Well, God showed up tonight. Yeah, I wasn't there. Well, there's no way to articulate and great services that a church will experience. And, but he was not with them. And verse 25, the other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. These are the same guys that didn't believe Mary Magdalene. And we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not. I just decide by an act of my volition, I will not believe. That's pretty cocky and cavalier. Unless I stick my hand in his side. That's how confident he was that that didn't even happen. He was being insubordinate, really. And after eight days again, eight of those 40 days, the disciples were within and Thomas was with them this time. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. So they were locked in the upper room and Jesus packed, uh, walked right through a solid wall. That's where we get evidence about the glorified body. And during those 40 days, we'll be like him. Not completely. You're never going to be omnipotent. You're never going to be omniscient. You're never going to be omnipresent. But there will be a lot of similarities, praise the Lord. And, but he's the great creator and we are the creation. But with glorification, we'll be a lot more like him when we eradicate the flesh. But imagine that. No, no not subject to the laws of gravity or physics. And he ate broiled fish during that time. Lovest thou me more than these? Didn't have to eat, but he got to eat. You know, don't have to worry about the caloric intake. You know, that's pretty awesome. And that would change my diet radically. And so I have one vice. It's brown sugar, cinnamon, Pop-Tarts. And I had a teenager bring me a box. And I, had a, I told my wife, I'm on the phone, I'm having a weak moment. I had one of those colossal king-size boxes, and it's on sale. And she's a good support group, so don't do it. And if you get fat, I'll divorce you. Okay. And I put it down. She didn't say that. And, but I put it down, and she walked in with that box, and I was like, get thee behind me, Satan. And... 
but I had three packs yesterday. I'm down to two packs a day. Usually I roll one up in my t-shirt sleeve. And uh, that's my advice. And Diet Coke. I was going to quit, but Brother LaRiviere brought me a big Diet Coke. And so that's a sign. God says, you got the green light. Keep on keeping on. And so, uh, but anyway, uh, so, uh, you know, you don't have to worry about stuff that's bad for you. And if it tastes good, it's, you know, you, Cinnabon, you can't even walk by a Cinnabon. Those are airborne calories. You make eye contact or even get a waff of that cinema. You know, it's like, it's just, it's awful. And it doesn't matter what your metabolism is. But anyway, he got to eat. And, uh, you know, then we embellish that stuff. We connect dots that we don't know. Oh, you better travel at the, they make matter of fact statements. You better travel at the speed of thought, which is significantly quicker for some than others. <laughs> I asked Jonathan, he's Canadian. Jonathan, where, where you been the last 400 years? I lost my train of thought, you know. <laughs> ADD. And so anyway, uh, but Thomas locked in there with the other disciples, the apostles soon to be. And Thomas, and he's there, and Christ walks right through the wall. And let's continue to read. Then saith he to Thomas, reach into thy finger. Evidently, Christ was listening eight days earlier. He said, Thomas, reach into thy finger and behold my hands, and reach into thy hand and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas, of course, wasn't necessary to do those things. He answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus, now notice, if you would, verse 29. Uh, we're going to transition here and pivot on this message, uh, this verse. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. But here's where you come in. Blessed are they which have not seen and yet have believed. And we recognize that verse. But, you know, I want to talk to you about faith tonight. I think we get very inaccurate measurements of our own faith and others' faith. And because we, we, we use the wrong tool to measure it. And, uh, you know, he was seen of the faithful, seen of his friends, seen of the 500, seen of his family, seen of his foe. Then when Thomas finally saw him, and because thou hast seen me, Thomas, now you believe. By the way, fellas, you didn't believe until you saw me. You didn't believe Mary Magdalene who was faithful to the, uh, the, the tomb that third morning. And so, but blessing, a special blessing for them that which have never seen and yet have believed. You know, your faith, I think you've got a lot more faith than you realize. And some of you measure it by what you're feeling or not feeling. You know, the, the cliche, I, I'm not really feeling it. You, you're, feeling it, you're feeling like coming to church on a Monday night when you're tired? It's like you're, you're about three weeks away from hump day, which is Wednesday. It's like, man... I think it's just so reciprocal. I'm so tired. I got to go to church. And, and we were there last night. And Brother Charlie, talk about using Bible. Brother Charlie uses way too much Bible. And I'm kidding, of course. And I just spit. And so, quick, I need to rehydrate. Get my diet coat. And so, but, you know, it's, uh, it's just, uh, you know, we're, sometimes we're not feeling it. But by character, you're here on a Monday night. And that's awesome. Do you believe that Jesus was crucified? Do you believe that he was beaten beyond human recognition, pain beyond human comprehension, then taken, and they put him in a barred tomb, and three days later, up from the grave, he arose with a mighty triumph for his... Do you believe all that? Evidently, there's evidence you do, because you're here. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty impressive faith. People that come on a Sunday school Sunday morning, that's good. Sunday night, that's real good. Monday night, that's... It's a cult. And, uh, you know, it's just, you know, that's, it's just, it's inexplicable to the world. And uh, think about, think about our faith. Well, what is faith? Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, I'm not feeling it. You know, I'm not, I'm not really seeing how that, you know, I just read a quote from Benjamin Franklin today. He said, um, 
four score and seven years ago. I can't remember what he said. And he said, I want to get it right because when I start paraphrasing, then it's, it's even bad. He said, how you doing? Oh, so no. From my, Pick up bread. And he said, um, the way to see by faith is to shut the eyes of reason. And, I, and that's Benjamin Franklin. And I'm not sure he was saved. And, uh, but it's a great statement. I'd love to think he was, of course. And, uh, but that reverence they had towards God. You know, uh, shut the eyes of reason. More often than not, the commands of God seem like mockery. Think about it. Remember Paul? It's like, God, I, I've, been, I've been the messenger of Satan buffeted me. I had this thorn in the flesh. I'm telling you, if you, get, you, you took care of this thorn, I could just, I could do so much more than I'm already doing. I'm doing a lot. And uh, just please. And I know it's, uh, help me help you here. And God said, no, my grace will suffice. <laughs> Okay, uh, and then th- I think three seasons of prayer, not just three passing requests. He went back, God, please, uh, my, my grace will suffice. My grace is sufficient, Paul. And the third time, three times. And then now, years after the fact, he looks back in retrospect and he said, you know what? And this was so unreasonable to me. I felt like God was being unreasonable. I, and uh, reason kind of recoiled and logic absolutely lost, but... Now I glory in my infirmities and my distresses and my persecutions for Christ's sake. For when I was weak, ironically and theologically and omnipotently, that's when I was strong. God's strength was made perfect through my weakness. Some of you are way too strong. And you're never going to have the strength of omnipotence to aid you because, God, I got this one. I'll get by with my character, my unlimited vocabulary, my ability to persuade and convince Subconsciously, we do that. Consciously, I don't think we'd ever do that and be so insubordinate. But think about it. Strength. The way to be strong is to become weak. Given it shall be given unto you. I'm pretty sure it's the other way around. You've got to covet, crave, collect, acquire. God helps those who help themselves. No, God helps those who help others. And, uh, and so it makes no sense. The way up is down. Satan said, I will be like the Most High God. Record high. I will exalt myself to the sides of the north. God said, Record high. Guess what? We're going to have a record low. I'm going to prepare a brand new place called hell, prepared for the devil and his angels. Christ had a record low. God becomes man while remaining God and didn't take the form of a monarch or a duke or a czar or a prime minister or a pharaoh or a president. People spending millions of dollars, not because they have a burden for America, because they got a burden for power. But he didn't take the form of a president. He took the form of a servant and humbled himself to death, even the death of the cross, the worst form of capital punishment ever invented by totally depraved, cruel, created man. Think about that. And so record low, therefore he is highly exalted. His name is above, infinitely above every name. It's the only name given among men whereby we must be saved. You know, you get to heaven, you're not going to have to pass a doctrinal litmus test and you're not going to meet St. Peter. He's going to be there, but I don't think he's going to greet you. And, and I don't know the origin of all that. But, you know, if you were, and why should I let you give it your allowed one word? Why should we let you in? Well, basically, could you get out of there? Why should I let you in? Jesus. That's the password. That's the open sesame. That's the only name given among men whereby you must be saved. I don't have to ask if you believe that because you're here. And, and you're Northeasterners, you know. You know, people tell me, oh, up in the Northeast, and, and uh, Pastor, we really love that sermon. Really? Because you couldn't tell by looking at you. <laughs> you know? And so, I'm not feeling it. You're compartmentalizing. That's what you're doing. You're internalizing. 
Amen. It's kind of awkward for some. Try it again. Try it again. And, uh, but listen, you know, that's, 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 but boy, I, you know, I said, we don't have a lot of people at Faith Baptist in uh, Plymouth County and Carpa there, but boy, the people we got are phenomenal. And their Christianity is impressive. And boy, God's given me a love for them. And they, 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 they love, love, we've never been so loved. And it's been long overdue. They didn't preach me. I mean, I call it. And I'm kidding. And so, uh, but I'm not saying I'm anything special, but I got over 400 likes and a picture this week on Facebook. You know, it's like, really? I don't care what anybody thinks. You know, I think you do. You know? And so I'm going to tag about 15 million people so it draws attention. We're all there. Listen. And so, but faith, faith, faith. And I, I'm not feeling it. Don't, don't measure your faith by what you're feeling or not feeling. Are you going to feel like going to, you don't ask yourself, well, you feel like going to work tomorrow. You're just going to work by character. You know, hey, how come you haven't been in for the last three days? Yeah, I'm not feeling it. Really? Because, well, we, we didn't feel like paying you ever again. And, oh, and, uh, you know, I'm not seeing, I don't see how the way up is down and the way on is off and the way to find your life is to lose it. And given it shall be given unto you. That, that's, not, that's, that's nonsensical. It's illogical. And uh, shut the eyes of reason and open the eyes of faith. We're asked to walk by faith in a world governed by tangible, seen, discerned, felt, smelt, tasted things. And they demand our attention and God becomes an afterthought. Think about the faith, though. Think about soul winning. And this is why people, like, you want how many? No way. And certainly some people are inaccurate, and I kid about embellishing, but they just lie about their numbers. You know, that's just, that happens. And usually they're freshmen at Bible colleges. <laughs> you know, I gave myself assurance 20 times. And, and so, but listen, you know, it's just, uh, it, it's, but think about, so I think in Genesis 24, getting a bride for Isaac. And uh, this is what Abraham said. Uh, Eliezer, his eldest servant, Abraham pictured God the Father, his servant pictured God the Holy Spirit. And Isaac, of course, pictured God the Son. He said, I got one job for you. I'm too old. You need to go to northern Mesopotamia and get a bride for my son. I said, all right, I'll tell Isaac, get ready. No, you're not going to take Isaac. Yeah, Isaac's not going there. And so bear in mind, Eliezer pictures the Holy Spirit. He says, just go. you got one consuming purpose. Get a bride for my son. And take some men with you. Take ten camels. And they go. And, and Eliezer's overwhelmed. He's like, Boy, I, I might get somebody to come. Some young lady that's that desperate, and, but certainly that's not going to be God's will for my master's son. How am I going to know who the right young lady is? And he put that fleece out. If a young lady volunteered to give him water and then went above and beyond that, he said, that's, that's ridiculous. Statistically, if not impossible, then probable. So you know the story. And Genesis 24. And so he goes to the well, and there's an attractive young lady. And he says, excuse me, man, we've been traveling a long way, and me and my nine guys and our ten camels, and we're a little tired. I wonder if we could kind of rehydrate. Sure, and uh, I'll give you guys some water. By the way, those camels got to be thirsty. 26 gallons per camel. Do the math, 26 times 10, carry the one. That's like 457,000 gallons, and uh, 260 gallons. And she probably said, why did I just volunteer? I'm going to be here forever watering these camels and these men. He said, I'll tell you exactly why you did that. In fact, this is what he said. He said, man, my name's Eliezer, and he said, how would you like to go to a place from which you'll never return. You're never coming back. And marry a guy you've never seen before and trust a guy you just met. How would you like to do that? And of course, being, and women are so superficial. Yeah, I just went there. I'm just kidding. And uh, tour girls, I tell you girls are so superficial. They're like, yeah, pretty much. And uh, we don't care. Women aren't attracted by sight. Whatever. You know, I was like, okay, 
Oh, go date Quasimodo then. No, you know, they, they are. Women are carnal. They're the weaker vessel. Pray for them, men. I am the president of the He-Man Woman Hater Club. And, uh, but listen, but like all women, you're at least curious, you know, uh, what's he look like? Well, I'll tell you what, he's a straight-A student. That's usually not a good, what's he look like? I'll tell you, second to none worth that ethic. What's he look like? Ah, oh, he's got character. That means he got hit with the ugly stick. You know, hey, what's he look like? Well, he's, he's, listen, Rebecca, and, uh, you know, it's, we're centuries away from photography being invented. We actually had an Etch-A-Sketch, but a camel hit a bump at a guy. It's a bad picture, you know. And uh, what's he look like? I'll tell you what, he's got money. Okay. And uh, that's, that's, that's in the Aramaic. And so listen. But listen. She asked a young lady to go with a man she'd never met before to a land from which she'll never turn to marry a guy she'd never seen. And she, less than 24 hours, I will go. And that's pretty amazing. That's what soul winning is. Hey, how you doing? My name's Chris. And what's your name? And Bob. Okay, I'm going to answer that like three more times. And uh, so if whosoever, what's your name again? Bob. And, uh, you know, we've all been there. And so, listen, Bob, my name's Chris. How would you like to go to a place called heaven from which you'll never return? Won't want to return, by the way and trust and marry a savior, so to speak, uh, that you've never seen. By the way, I've never seen him. And trust me indirectly with your never-dying soul and your eternal destination. Would you like to do that? Yeah, I think I would. I, I don't manifest this when I go soul with him, but it's like, really? <laughs> you know, it's like, are you kidding? It's amazing. It's supernatural what's about to happen. It's like, we're going we're gonna to pray for the God and everybody. Okay, I'm going to act like I'm going to drop something, and you, you help me pick it up, and we're going to pray. You know, and you don't do that, but it's like, how would you like to go to a land from which you'll never turn, trust the Savior you've never seen? I've never seen him, and trust me and everything I'm saying. Of course, it's the Word of God. Yeah, I think I'd like to do that. That's unbelievable, but it happens all the time. That's the amazing part. That's faith. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not seeing it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I tell, I get this in every message, I always brag on Christ, and then I mention the fact that I was a paratrooper, because I was a paratrooper. And uh, Ronald Reagan and I, as a dynamic duo, ended the Cold War. You're welcome. And, uh, but I brag, the bravado about being a super-duper paratrooper, it's like, you know, every young man wants someone to say, don't mess with that guy right there. He will kill you, man. And uh, no one ever said that. And, but I don't care what anybody thinks, <laughs> you know. And so... But, you know, all the patches that you risk your life for and a beret. I'm going to risk my life for a beret. Think about that. The origin of is the Chantelizet in Gay Paris. Merci beaucoup. i got to have one of them, man. You look tough. You know, and so you risk your life for a beret. But I bragged about we had all the posters. Last step towards becoming a man. Death from above. Kill a commie from mommy. All that bloodthirsty bravado that guys eat up. John Wayne, John Rambo, all those guys, the, you know, heroes, patriarchs of the faith. And now I'm on an airplane at Fort Benning, Georgia, and we're flying over Friar Field in Alabama. And by the way, when we get to jump school at Fort Benning, they said, now, man, you guys excited? You want to be airborne? Yes, sir. I say, yes, Sergeant Airborne. Whatever we ask you, you answer five times incredibly enthusiastically. We ask if you're fired up, you say, fired up, fired up, fired up, fired up, fired up. Motivated, 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 motivated. You know, week three. You know, and it's tough, to, but you got to. They're going to they're gonna dog you. And, uh, man, they would run us. I'd never been so hot in my life. They would run at 9 o'clock in the morning because it wasn't hot enough at 6 o'clock in the morning. So we're going to wait about three hours. Eat all you want, boys, you know. And so we're eating, and you got guys on all sides of you. You feel like you're going to combust. And, uh, and then they say, okay, you're going to roll through the showers outdoors. you got your uniform on. You roll through there, and then you're feeling pretty good. You're soaking wet. It's like, oh. 
and the run is done. They said, now we're going to go to the sawdust pit. So they roll you in there, and the sawdust sticks to you. It looked like a big corn dog. And uh, they don't want your self-esteem to get too high. But now we're on an airplane, and the airplane's flying, and they open up the rear doors, and uh, they said, outboard personnel, stand up. And I'm thinking, man, this, this thing's going way too far. And, uh, you know, and they said, uh, you guys motivated? <clears throat> Actually, I'm not there yet. <clears throat> I got, I got a note from my mom. I'm a little scotchy. Hey, I mean, you, you can't do that. Death before dishonor. And so you stand up and you hook up and uh, you're approaching. Now, internally, self-preservation kicks in. Everything inside you is saying, you know, as you're, you're, you're approaching a door that's open and you're going to jump out while in flight, your body's trying to shut itself down and cripple itself. It's like, don't, don't, don't. They're making me, you know. Hey, you jump out. Hey, you're born. Hey, you know, and you brag about it. Okay, let's do it again. Okay, and, and 38 more times. But listen, why were you scared? Why were you scared? Didn't you believe your parachute was going to open up? Didn't you trust the training of the three previous weeks? And uh, whether it was a Dash 1 Bravo or a T-10 parachute or a C-130 or a C-141, didn't you believe? Evidently, I believed. I jumped out. You know, courage is not the, and I'm not calling that courageous, but it's not the absence of fear, it's the overcoming of fear. Faith is not the absence of unbelief, it's the overcoming of unbelief. Give it, it shall be given unto you. That is ridiculous as you tithe and give an offering as unto the Lord. Eh, cheerful giver, I'm not feeling it. But you give anyway. Amen. Just give. That's faith. That's how you measure. You measure your faith by the yardstick of obedience. Not by what you're feeling. Because feeling, man, I'll tell you what, I, I just, I, I don't, it's my temperament. But I, I fear sometimes it's a, I have a calloused heart. And uh, I just, I, I, you know, some preachers cry at the drop of a hat. And, and I envy that. I'm like, man, I must be just, I must be a, a reprobate because I, I cried when my mom passed away, of course, and, but, and, uh, but I can go years without crying. When we became empty nesters and my girls moved out and I put this photo collage together for my wife because being the little brother of three sisters and, uh, and now a husband of a wife, you still want to, it's just, uh, you, you like to make ladies cry. Ladies like to cry. That's why they're like chick flicks and all that. Oh, it's so good. Okay, you want to watch it? I don't think so, you know, and I'm good. And so, but I put this, I put this uh, photo collage together of the girls growing up, and I arranged it all that, and I got to pick out the right song, and uh, usually got to go to country songs like Achy Breaky Heart to elicit the, you know. <laughs> but I play that, and I'm like, man, I get this thing again. I was like, oh, all of a sudden, I, I was like, man, I got allergies. <laughs> and uh, and uh, tear began to escape my eye. About that time, my wife walked in. <laughs> I sucked it back up. Hey! <laughs> And so, but listen, I just don't, I don't emote that much. And maybe it's the Northeastern or me, I don't know. And, uh, but the, the fact of the matter is, I'm glad I'm not governed by what I'm feeling or not feeling. You know? And pastor, are you feeling like preaching the Word of God today? Actually, I'm in excruciating pain and discomfort. And I'm not feeling it. But you won't know that when I preach the Word of God. And God's strength is made perfect through weakness. That's amazing faith. And you've got a great example of that. And, of course, a dynamic duo here for many, many years. And so, but faith. You know, First Peter chapter 1, and I'm all but done. First Peter chapter 1. Whom having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. You know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of that. You know, here's how you, you measure your faith by what you're doing, not by the yardstick of obedience, what moves you to action. If you really believed that you could approach the throne of grace very boldly, that an omnipotent God has availed himself to you, 
And if you're in trouble, he's a very present help in trouble. And he wants to help you more than you could ever want to be helped. If you really believe that, why don't Christians pray? We talk about prayer. We preach about prayer. We write about prayer. We read it. You know, few Christians pray. You have omnipotence that you could utilize and capitalize. And I know, I know you know, and we realize, but we don't take advantage of it. If you really believe this was the inerrant, infallible, inspired, preserved words of God, it's not a comic book or a frisbee or a coaster. It's the words of God. How do you know God's words inspired? 2 Timothy 3.16 says all scriptures are given by inspiration. You've got to put your faith somewhere. I don't need Dr. So-and-so to tell me that I can trust. Listen, that's, that's the problem. And I've done... Being a Bible college professor, I had an obligation to do the apologetical studies and all that stuff. But listen, you're going to come full circle and end up where you started the whole thing. I think I've got to put my face somewhere. I, I'm not going to have it filtered through. You know, and I, I'm all for the King James books on the King James Bible. And, but I'm not going to filter my faith. I can believe this book because Dr. So-and-so and Dr. So-and-so and Dr. So-and-so. Many of those guys don't like each other and don't agree with each other. Ironically, in the defense of this book, let God be true and every man a liar. I believe this book because it said it's believable. I know it's preserved in Psalm 12, 7 because it said it's preserved from this generation forever. Amen. Pray tell me, where are you going to put your faith? Amen. Take the word of God off trial. Hey, read it when you feel like it. Read it when you don't feel like it. Sometimes I even wonder. By the way, some of you need to, and I'm not suggesting, I use the word insubordination a lot or form of it. I'm not suggesting insubordination, but some of you need to have enough faith to go to God and voice your complaint. And say, God, I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with what happened there, that tragedy. I've heard, the, I've heard the explanations. They don't begin to suffice. God knows. He's omniscient. And you can apologize and say, God, but I just, I, I, and again, and my emotions may betray me right now, but you are not on trial and you are not on probation, but I can't help but feel the way I feel. When you confess your sins, you know, if I go to God, God's never, you, you did what? You're not going to surprise God. You know, sometimes we act like, you know, because God is omniscient, you have to use quadruple reverse psychology on him. God, whatever you do, don't send me to Hawaii where well, you're going. You know, it's like, it's like really? You're not going to pull the wool over God's eyes. Yeah. See how you like that. Oh. And uh, it's not going to happen. And God, I promise you, I will never, 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 never. Let me get some vain repetition in there. Let me throw some pain. Never, never, never do that again. God says, you're going to do it tonight. You know about that. <laughs> you know, it's like, God, I'd love to say I'm never going to do it again. But I am. And then you start praising him and the worship. And that are, God, you're awesome. Amen. Think about the mercy. And I'm, and I'm done. I use this illustration so often. And forgive me. But, you know, who's ever got pulled over for speeding? Raise your hand. Another role model down the drain. And, but the best, did you have your hand up? I know Brother Jenkins had two up. Hey, he, he's got pulled over motorcycles and trucks and horses and, and uh, snowmobiles. And so... Uh, we're sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And so, uh, but listen, uh, and some people outrun the law because they're supered up cars. And so, but I, I've been pulled over. Some people collect stamps and baseball cards. I collect speeding tickets. I've got speeding tickets from states I've not even been in, which is only Alaska and Hawaii and, and North Dakota. I don't have any aspirations to go to North Dakota. And, uh, but, you know, it's, um, you get pulled over. And when I get pulled over in front of Hammond Baptist when I'm going to teach the Word of God. And kid, hey, Brother Tiff, shut up. You get the merits. You know, I'm getting a ticket, but you're getting the merits. You know, and uh, I was at his college two years ago. We had that, that bad winter, as Brother Jenkins would say, a winter on steroids. You know, and the snow was piled up high, and, and they had like a sting operation, like a periscope sticking out. And I'm driving right in front of the college. Like, ah, oh! you know that perfect when you see him? 
and he comes out. It's like, I can outrun him. No, I can't. I'm driving a Pinto, you know? And so, so I drive past the collars because I'm not pulling in. I pull over, and this guy was a, he, he gave me a ticket. But the, all the t- I, I can't tell you how many times I got warning tickets. And, uh, and when he says, listen, you need to slow down. You need to slow down. I'm not going to give you a ticket. I'm going to give you a warning. And I'm not going to give you what you deserve, a ticket. But I, I, I'm going to give you a warning. It's like, I love you. Excuse me? Never mind. <laughs> you know? that's, what, that's what mercy is. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. That's right. yeah, that's right. Do you believe in that his mercies are new every morning? And that his mercy endureth forever? And that's, if we, that's all we ever got from God was mercy. That would be pretty awesome. It's like, I love you. you let me, why do you even let me continue to live? And then I think about the fact that I'm going to live eternally because of your grace. Well, we haven't gotten to grace yet. Imagine if a police officer said, I'm not going to give you a ticket. Thank you. Excuse me, I'm not done. I'll tell you what I am going to give you. I'm going to give you a $50 Chipotle gift card. Now you're looking for cameras. All right, what's going on? That's getting what you don't deserve. That's exactly what God does. I'm not going to give you a ticket to hell. Thank you. Excuse me, I'm not done. I'll tell you what I'm going to give you a ticket to heaven. Grace really is amazing. And boy, if you think that would work up the emotions and the gratitude and the adoration and so forth. But listen, do you believe in the grace of God? You've got to kind of come, let us reason together and override what you're feeling or not feeling. And you've got to deduct certain things and you go by the word of God. This is what I feel. We all, we, you know, doctrinally we're going to betray what we know to be truth. Because if God's going to forgive me, I've got to merit unmerited favor as grace is defined. I've got to throw in the pay. Oh, God, oh, God, got to stop. God, I, I, that's wrong. What I did was wrong. I wish I felt worse about it. And I, I confess that as sin. And uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. And they praise him for his faithfulness and great. Is, I'm all done. Listen, faith. Boy, how is your private? You're here tonight, and that is very, very commendable. Do you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ? Evidently. More obviously, you're here. 2,000 years after the fact, in America, several thousand miles away from the Middle East, and you're here on a Monday night. That's pretty impressive faith. And so, so you got more faith than you realize, but boy, do we have enough faith to read this book? Do we have enough faith to get a private audience with our God and keep going back time and time again? And he's not an afterthought. And we're... And so that's just that's the point tonight. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things. Now, I just don't see how it's going to work out. God says, good, now try me out. That's where faith, if I, I have seed to believe it, well, that's not faith. It's not the absence of unbelief, it's the overcoming of unbelief. I'm going to pray, and dear Lord, thank you for these folks here tonight.